Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here we go, hour two. Great day for talk radio. And uh, our panel is standing by as well out in the green room. Many topics worthy of discussion. We'll make it to our docket today, including this uh, ruling from the Supreme Court of Canada earlier today that says indigenous groups need not be consulted when it comes to making federal law that may actually uh, involve some of their claims to uh, fishing rights and so on and so forth. I mean, the Trans Mountain Pipeline comes into play insofar as that scenario is concerned because we know the federal court actually uh, did uphold the rights to be uh, consulted and so on and so forth. So this kind of turns that ruling on its ear. We'll pick that up with our panel, David Wills, Peter Sherman, Stephen Holliday. Of course, Holliday also as a deputy mayor locked into a battle down there in Etobicoke as far as the election upcoming. It's just a matter of uh, 11 days away on the 22nd. We're on a tight timeline. There's all kinds of things looming on the horizon in the not-too-distant future. At right now, we've got polls suggesting Tories ahead of Keysmat on a two-to-one basis, so it's his to lose. And... Uh, the third party or undecideds constitute about 15%. So we'll see what he has to say or they have to say on that matter and more. Still with a tight timeline, six days away from the legalization of marijuana in the country, and there are many outstanding or attendant questions, not least of which is uh, when it comes to the age that it's permissible to access marijuana or grow it in your own home. There's some dispute over whether or not 19 is the appropriate age, should be 18, as the feds are suggesting. So where does that leave us? Paul Lewin is a Toronto lawyer with a focus on marijuana cases, and he's here to clarify all these questions and more. Paul, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Oh, Good to be here. Well, listen, uh, when it comes to this age uh, 19 restriction, uh, I've, I've read somewhere that you said that this is uh, not practical at all. Why do you say that? Well, and I'll start by saying, you know, I'm not advocating that youth should have more access to cannabis, but um, the feds have said 18, and um, I think in the article that you're referencing, I was complaining about the fact that they haven't synced up the ages. You know, I'd say the bigger concern that I have with the age is the whole reason we're legalizing is that we want it to be regulated. We don't want people who purchase cannabis to be subject, to be robbed, uh, to be sold something that's unsafe. So if we don't want that for adults, why would we want that for young people? Oh, okay. Uh, yet it leaves, as you say, some 18-year-olds, I guess, in limbo, legal limbo, wouldn't it? Yeah. So in Ontario, they can, well, it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not legal limbo. We know where they stand, that no person under the age of 19 in Ontario shall possess, uh, consume, attempt to purchase, purchase or distribute cannabis. So what about growing it? uh, They could not grow it either. Okay. So there's a total prohibition then. So as you say, the provinces, uh, they get to make the call, even though the feds have their own set of rules, uh, the province trumps the Fed rule? Well, I don't know if I'd say it trumps it. The Feds um, prohibit a person under 18, and the province has a more draconian rule. So it's more inclusive, you could say, or more exclusive, the uh, provincial rule. Would, uh, let's say, 
being busted for pot as an 18-year-old uh, meet a constitutional challenge? Uh, you know, um, I... Uh, um, I don't think so. I think it would ultimately fail. Uh, I think that the province could probably justify their reasons for drawing the line where they have. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll mention, I think the feds did something really smart with this, is that they said it's not an offense for uh, a young person to possess less than five grams, even though there's no legal way for them to access it. So it doesn't turn them into criminals if they have a small amount, but there is no legal road to getting it. And so, but the province does turn them into criminals because they have a small amount, which uh, I don't think is healthy. But we also don't need to give them a path to getting it. Mm. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people have suggested decriminalization would have been be the better route to go. But apart from that, since we've got different uh, jurisdictions provincially, if somebody who is 18 wants to mail order their pot from a place, that does allow sales to 18-year-olds, what do we do in that case here in Ontario? I think it's, well, I mean, based on the law, uh, as soon as they uh, come into possession of it, they're in contravention of the Ontario Cannabis Act. I see. So it's not the actual distributor who is sending it from Alberta or Quebec, for example. Well, that distributor would face their own issues. Uh, sending it to a young person um, would... How would they uh, know? Um, well, they should be taking some steps. So if they're taking no steps to confirm the age of the person they're sending it to, um, then that would get them in trouble. Again, Paul Lewin is with us on the line, a Toronto lawyer with a focus on marijuana cases. You know, the last couple of days we've spent uh, trying to determine if this 28-day prohibition for police officers in Toronto is appropriate or not. And uh, one of the things that came to my mind anyway is in the event that a police officer were to apprehend somebody... Uh, could that person then challenge that the cop may have some traces of marijuana in their system and beat the rap on a constitutional basis? Any idea? Oh, no way in the world. No way in the world if a, a officer has a, a minute amount of THC, which, I mean, they're going to be judged. If they, anybody who challenges an arrest is going to be judged, uh, that arrest is going to be judged based on what the officer did. And so the fact that they have a tiny bit of THC, uh, that's, that would, I mean, some lawyer is going to throw it out there, but it's going nowhere. Okay. I, I, well, I just wondered as well, if this prohibition of 28 days is even enforceable. I mean, how do you know? Uh, you know, it, it seems crazy to me. It seems ridiculous. How would you know? I, I, I don't know uh, how they would know. Uh, I mean, I know that the, the rate at which people, THC remains in people's blood varies dramatically. Um, I think if you talk to anyone who's looked at any toxicologist who's looked at impairment from cannabis, uh, they would consider that ridiculous, 28 days. That, I mean, it just seems punitive to the police officers. Um, and, I, I, and it seems crazy, in my view. Well, is there any way of even tracing, you know, we talk about tracing it in the bloodstream, but tracing uh, purchases or where the pot has been accessed? You know, ideally, this whole setup is to... Uh, drive out the, the, the black market, uh, anybody who's apprehended, I mean, you wouldn't have any idea where they access the pot, would you? You wouldn't. Um, and it's, I mean, you, you're probably aware of this because you brought that up, but there is a uh, illicit cannabis is illegal. So you might have uh, just a gram or two, but if it's illicit, it's illegal. But yeah, there is no way. I mean, you could have grown it yourself 
It is legal to share less than 30 grams, so it could have been shared from a neighbor. Um, and I don't think these recreational stores are going to be keeping records of purchasers, so um, I'd be shocked if they did. Um, Right, and there's no branding per se or any stamp that's put on a package as uh, would be with alcohol, for example, so you would know if this was done legally or not. Uh, so again, this is the Wild West we're about to engage in, correct? It is, but you know, it's a sub. It's a matter. I mean, shoot, cannabis has been around for ages. I mean, um, it's this new legal status is new, but I mean, it's been a widely used substance for a long time, so... Uh, I don't know if I'd say the Wild West, but but it is for sure new, new terrain. Would there be greater control in the public dispensaries that Kathleen Wynne had been promoting up until Doug Ford changed the model? And uh, we just had that debate or discussion last hour with Paul uh, with uh, Wayne Smokey Thomas, who heads up OBSU, and he says he's got all kinds of data to support from a Nanos poll that most Ontarians favor the public model. Uh, is there any problem with the... Uh, Alcohol and Gaming Commission overseeing with strict regulation who actually gets the licenses to dispense and uh, accordingly they would be fined, penalized, or driven out of business if they broke those rules? I mean, do you see one model better than the other? Yeah, I think the Doug Ford model is is brilliant. Um, I think it, what it does is, in order to shut down the black market, He's saying, listen, you, you play by the rules, you shut down your dispensaries, you comply 100%, and any breaches, you're out. But if you truly are going to comply completely and you have no connections to organized crime, then we'll let you into the game. And, I mean, that's going to be a, a great tool. And I know many dispensary people who are shutting down, saying we've we got to shut down before October 17. I, I think it's, I, it, it's very smart. And you know what? And a system with a, mono, a government monopoly would have made people bitter and would have kept the black market alive and well. I mean, shoot, any other kind of punishment hasn't – they've had tried every punishment under the sun for 100 years, and that hasn't worked. So You know, and the Ford government has modeled this after tobacco sales, or so they say for the most part, which leads me to the question, tobacco sales, we see a – a flourishing black market with the native smoke shops, uh, for one example, and, you know, on the reserves, are you anticipating that they're also going to see uh, boom times insofar as marijuana and its distribution is concerned? Uh, there may be, and actually, I think as we speak, there uh, some some reserves have uh, a lot of dispensaries on them already, black market dispensaries operating as we speak. So right. that, that wouldn't surprise so me. So what would happen then with the OPP and the case in Ontario? I know uh, at some points in Quebec, the smoke shops on the native reserves, you've got the p patrol cars parked right outside of them. As somebody is exiting, you know, they pull them over and they check the trunk and you've got cartons and cartons and cartons of cigarettes. Do you foresee that happening here in the province of Ontario? I could see a bit of that. Uh, <laughs> I could see a bit of that. All right. The other question I'm kind of curious about, it dials back to the age thing. When you've got the Canadian Medical Association talking about the adolescent brain still in developmental stage until 25, uh, why are we in a rush to make this legal at 19 or even 18? Well, because, um, because they're going to use it anyway, and all we do is make things unsafe. Because, you know, when it's not regulated... You don't know what you're getting. It's, it encourages violent, unsafe activities. It encourages people, if they don't have pot that day, maybe want to try some of this cocaine today. Um, we'd rather it be, if they're going to use it, 
let's at least make it as regulated as we can. On the enforcement end of things, if people are pulled over and uh, we're told as of yet there's nothing too scientific that would ascertain that they're actually impaired, and we know the threshold is, uh, I guess, five nanograms in the blood, as a lawyer, could you find yourself fighting uh, on solid grounds against impairment charges against people pulled over for pot? Um, yeah, well, like I should preface this by saying I'm not an impaired guy, but um, there are real problems with the measurements that they have in terms of measuring a THC in the blood. That's not a reliable indicator. Um, I mean, I know the government would come back and say, you know what, this is a serious public safety issue. I mean, maybe it's an imperfect tool, but we have to use some kind of tool. I think those are the arguments that are going to play out in the almost certain constitutional challenges that will come on that front. Yeah, as I say, you know, uh, we're on the precipice of a, a grand social experiment of sorts. And we'll see. And Doug Ford was on the show the other day suggesting that tweaks would be necessary to be made as a work in progress or calling audibles at the line. So... We'll see how it goes six days out and counting, and I appreciate your input this afternoon very much, Paul. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Okay, Paul Lewin, a Toronto lawyer with a focus on marijuana cases. Let's come back. We've got many more cases to discuss, topics worthy of discussion with our panel. Up next on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.